This is the Foodies Reviewing Movies Podcast. Each week, a couple of my friends and I get together and talk about two topics near and dear to our hearts and stomachs, food and movies. Each episode, we want to give you a taste of not only some of the interesting dishes we were able to indulge in and would like to recommend, but also the movies we had a ton of fun watching. Let's dig in. Welcome to this episode of the Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast. My name is Callie. And I'm Jonathan. Well, thanks for being here, John. And thank you for joining us, listeners. We're happy to have you. This week, we're talking about Marvel's The Eternals. I'm really looking forward to talking about this one just because it's so new. It just Mm -hmm. came out like... This is like the latest one we've done. Yeah, and this is our first episode where we're reviewing a new release right after leaving the theater. So this will be definitely interesting. We're going to try and keep this as structured as possible. We Maybe may be all over the place. <laughs> a, a bit sloppier than our past reviews have been, but, you know, it's it's all the fun. Yes, but we'll do our best. Just pretend right now that you're sitting at a White Castle or a Steak and Shake with your buddies after the movie and talking about it. Well, last Friday, Marvel's latest film hit theaters, as we all know. We were super excited to see it and now surprisingly happy to share our thoughts with you. Let's go ahead and get started with our amuse-bouche. So John, which of the Eternals superpowers would you want to have most? And let's go through the list here really quick before you give us yours. Maybe you may change it along the way here. Because they say all men are created equal, but not all (laughs) eternal powers (laughs) are created equal. (laughs) So true. So we have Thena. She's considered the best warrior in the galaxy. She has her weapons appear out of nowhere from her hands. We have Icarus who shoots laser beams out his eyes and flies around. Hmm, is this sounding like a DC character to anyone? I'd say he also had super strength in there too. Who's? I'm sorry, I sold him short here. We also have Cersei who is a a bit like Rogue from X-Men, from what you said. You sort (laughs) of compared her. (laughs) She just needs to touch something for her power to happen. And, I mean, they're not all that powerful, really. Just changes elements to other things. True. Uh, So, Ajax, she's able to heal fast. Gilgamesh has super strength. Droog has mind control. Kingo has finger guns sprite is an illusionist makari is super fast Phaistos is like iron man meets thor meets doctor strange then we have k-run who is our like valet like super buddy superpowers being wonderful yes i i include him with the eternals because he's like the ultimate backup boy if yeah. you would out of our list here whose powers would you like the most i feel like kind of the super speed that that Makara has mm-hmm. it's, it's just such a powerful weapon mm-hmm. like I feel like that's the reason why they killed off Quicksilver and Age of Ultron it's just so powerful like just being super speed can basically you know beat anyone it seems like mm-hmm. so that's a good one yeah I'm not gonna lie I was a big fan of the finger guns yeah <laughs> Which Camille Nanjiani, who plays Kingo, he's like, I feel so stupid just walking around with these finger guns for months, and now it actually looks really cool. Yeah, so. that's, that's pretty, like, that's, to me, I've been a big fan of finger guns, and I never realized <laughs> I wanted that power until I just watched this movie, so. Yeah, oh god, the finger guns, oh man, who would have thought? <laughs> uh, I never knew I was gonna like them that much. I think... Gosh, this is the hardest part, trying to figure out which one I actually want. I think I'd go with Sprite's powers of being an illusionist. I just really think that it's different enough from the takes before that we've seen of illusionist-like powers that this has a unique spin on it. I feel like the other powers that are in this movie, we've seen time and time again. I feel like they've been exhausted because of how many variations we've seen. You can only do it so many times. (laughs) So I feel like this is a nice new fresh take on this power. Also, it looks cool. I mean, there's a few different things that she can do with it. One in particular I really liked. It's a flashback scene where she's in ancient days and she's telling a story to an audience that's completely captivated because not only is she a 
really good verbal storyteller, but she also has this great ability of being able to put up these images in the air for people to look at like it's a giant storybook and have them move and interact with each other. And she gains this reputation of being a fantastic storyteller. And as someone who is a writer, as someone who is now in essence, podcasting is almost like storytelling to an extent, or at least sharing the stories of films that we're getting to watch on screen and those stories unfolding. So that's something you want to have in this line of work to be able to lock down as having an amazing reputation of being a storyteller. So I think I would go ahead and, and go with hers for sure. I don't like Phaestos's uh, or how mm-hmm. do you say Phaestos? Just because his seems so broad. Like, at the beginning, mm-hmm. I didn't know what his powers was. But, like, towards the end, it's like, oh, he's got some pretty cool powers there. Like, they're kind of more open for interpretation. I like that. Nicely put, John. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I like the fact that his powers are more so built around his intellect than around brute strength, which is typically the case. And I get why. I mean, it's fun to watch the Hulk smash things and just, you know, more of so the powers that are physical instead of intellectual. But I do like the fact that his are more based around his brain than around his biceps. And so I really do appreciate Fastos's powers. I also do appreciate the fact that they made it look interesting. They didn't have it as something sort of boring or the same old thing. They'd sort of used, if anything, a compilation of a couple things to make a new element, which is pretty cool and I'm definitely down with. Yeah, but if I have to pick one of those superpowers out mm-hmm. of anyone, it's actually shared between two of those characters. Okay. Sam Hayek and mm-hmm. Angelie Joan Lee, just how they can't age. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that power. They just age so gracefully. That's the power I want out of all those. Yeah, you're like, screw the Eternals powers. I want the eternal youth yeah, of want, Angelina Jolie yeah, and Selma Hayek. I, I want to do what they're doing because, damn, they... They, they fine! Yeah. yeah. They fine. They're, they're like the finest wine yeah. that has just aged to perfection. I don't know how they do it, but they still look just as stunning as they did 15 years ago. And the fact that they can still kick butt and take names, I appreciate that a lot as well. So just recapping, John either wants finger guns or he wants the eternal youth of Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. I would like to have Sprite's powers of being an illusionist. And I wouldn't mind the eternal youth of Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie either. So I would take that as well. Well, let's go ahead now and let's move into our apps haps. In the movie, our team is composed of a diverse group of characters that assemble together to create something much greater than themselves individually. The same can be said about the ingredients of a taco. We dined at one of the locations here in Lexington, Kentucky of agave and rye. This is a small chain of a diverse variety of epic tacos that has elevated the concept of this delicious Mexican dish. There are eight locations spanning from Alabama to Tennessee, Ohio, and Indiana. So if you're in one of those states, Definitely see if there's one located near you. And the first location that they had was actually in Covington, Kentucky. It opened on February 8th of 2018. And since its conception, Agave and Rice Promise has been to deliver epic experiences to the communities that the restaurant chain is a part of. John, what did you have and what are your thoughts? Well, I got two tacos and chips and queso. Mm-hmm. And they're chips and queso. You can tell that they, like, you know, most places they just already have, you know, chips and stuff. But mm-hmm. they, like, you can tell they just took whatever their tortillas mm-hmm. and just cut it up and just threw it in the fryer. Because, yeah. you know, the chips were huge. So mm-hmm. I was a big fan of yeah. that. And their queso is just like this really thick, good quality queso. Mm-hmm. So I was a really big fan of the chips and queso. Nice. I got two tacos. One was called the Yoda, mm-hmm. and that one was a very uh, Asian kind of based taco flavor. Mm-hmm. I forget the chicken flavor on it, but it was marinated in some really good, you know, marinara, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, the marinade. Yeah. yeah. It tasted really good. I forget the flavor. Came with sticky rice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of the Asian influence there as well. So that yeah. was really good. I really enjoyed that taco a lot. 
Uh, I know we also shared a taco in the mm-hmm. bee's knees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that one had chicken on it, too, as well. Yep. Uh, had jalapenos. Uh, what else was on there? The pico de gallo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the jalapenos were actually candied. So they were like this nice, sweet, spicy mm-hmm. mix to it. My complaint, because I know we're opposites. Mm-hmm. I only saw like three slices of jalapeno yes. on mine. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked more. I, yep. I don't know your thoughts on the jalapeno to taco ratio but to me it was definitely too low yeah so i've been trying to be more adventurous and eat more spicy things i've been forcing myself to do that because i i have struggled with it sometimes i think that there could have been a couple more on there i i mean i personally like the three that i had because i had one in like each bite that i yeah, took i try to space but, mine out too yeah so i tried not to get gluttonous with my my jalapenos yeah that one has herb chicken mango habanero Cowboy candy, which that's the the actual jalapeno that have been candied. And then Honestly, the pico. I really, I really didn't taste too much mango habanero when I ate my taco. No, I think that just gave it a slight heat and a slight sweetness that sort of mixed with that right. cowboy candy a little bit. Cause, did you taste much spice to it? Because I really, I didn't get too much spice. I got a little heat. I got a little heat to it. Because um, the other one that I had was the swipe right and that one had a little bit of a spicy and sweet kick to it that was herb chicken as well with sweet and spicy bacon aged white cheddar salsa and sour cream and that one wasn't quite as spicy as the bee's knees um and then yours the yoda that you had that one was sweet and spicy chicken chef rob's kung pao sauce peanuts Sticky rice and crispy carrots. That's what was on Ooh, top of yeah. it. Okay, because I was sitting there going, what the yeah, heck is on top of it? I'm the type of person, like, if it has, like, you know, more than five ingredients, like mm-hmm. that one, I'll forget what, what's supposed to come. And they're like, what's this again? No, I'm just going to throw it in my mouth and eat it. And that's why I pulled up the menu, because yeah. I was not going to remember there, either. Because I remember eating it, thinking, oh, it tasted good. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of carrot strips or whatever yeah 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 i've liked all the tacos i've had i've been three times now i've tried obviously the bee's knees which we just talked about i thought that was a nice mix of more heat than sweet but a nice little combo Mm. of both then i've also had the bama jamma which is an alabama white barbecue chicken i think it's pronounced andouille sausage roasted corn and tobacco onions that one was really good when i tried it obviously i had the swipe right as well and then i had the plain jane which is your just traditional taco it's seasoned ground beef shredded lettuce aged white cheddar diced tomato and sour cream which i like their white aged cheddar a lot it gives this nice like sharp nuttiness to it so i really do like that a lot on there as well and the tacos are double shelled there's mm-hmm. crunchy shell on the inside and then the soft shell on the outside well the way i like to look at that well i like it because it helps with integrity mm-hmm. but you know obviously you know traditional street tacos aren't hard shell like right. hard shells are very americanized so yes. i felt like you know kind of a mixture between both but also just you know, the downside of the crunchy shell is they crack very easily. Yes. Yes, they do. So I got that soft shell underneath to kind of like act as a glue to keep it all together. So mm-hmm. Nice structural, yeah. like you said, integrity for it. And they have... They have a bunch of different things on this menu. They have the epic tacos. They do also have like a a street taco kind of thing going on. They have burger and enchiladas. They have some appetizers, little munchies, but they're not very small. They're these handmade sea salt tater tots that are huge. It's like the size of my palm each. And you get like six of them. So they're a pretty decent size. I'd say equivalent to like three tater tots put together in a one. They have pretty decent size portions. And on Tuesdays, they do have a discount for like four of their tacos. So instead of them being like $9, they're down to like three. So not not too shabby. Um, definitely worth a try. Like I said, I give it my stamp of approval. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Definitely going to go back again because... Try some different tacos. Yeah, yeah. I, and mean, that, I didn't try those tater tots, but mm-hmm. the way you described them, yeah. I definitely want to try the tater tots. Oh, for sure. Well, let's go ahead. We talked about some food. We talked about what superpowers we want, but let's go ahead and let's get into our cinematic entree. Ancient aliens who have lived amongst humans for centuries in secret must step out of the shadows and step up to protect the world they love from Earth's most ancient foes.
The Eternals stars Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, Game of Thrones alums Richard Madden and Kit Harington, Kamel Nanjiani, and several other recognizable faces. One of which, John, you laughed pretty hard at, but let's not talk about it right now. Let's leave it until the end. The movie was led by Academy Award-winning director Chloe Zhao, and our story picks up eight months after the events of Endgame, where unfortunately we lost Tony after he snapped everyone back into existence. Wanda has been trying to resurrect Vision, and Sam Wilson has taken up Cap's shield. We start off about 5,000, 7,000 BC or so. We have the Eternals make their first appearance, at least known to us, of trying to help some humans who were in danger, and they're a bit more of a, a primal society at this time, obviously, due to the time frame, you can, you can guess that. But they start to develop a relationship with humans. I'm not usually a huge fan of time jumps, but I feel like they did it fairly well for the most part in the whole movie. In the beginning, John, you were saying it was a little bit clunky. Yeah, I just feel like obviously there's a whole lot of new information to pick up. You know, mm -hmm. we got like a dozen new characters to learn about. I just feel yeah. like the very first like, you know, what, five to ten minutes, mm -hmm. they're just trying to shove so much information in your face. Like mm -hmm. so much like, all right, this is this character. This is this character. It's just I just feel like so clunky, just a very bad start. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that was the worst part of the movie. Just the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that because the time jumps happen throughout the movie. The beginning had a lot of that happening at once. Well, to me in particular, like the whole kind of bar scene in London and mm -hmm. like her being in London. Yeah. I just felt like that was the worst part of the movie. Just so forced, so clunky. Mm -hmm. and, and her is Cersei yeah. and she's with Sprite. Yeah, it, was, it felt a little forced with the location. I don't mm -hmm. know if like London was sponsoring or what. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was a bit forceful with that. Uh, where London, you know, we do also have a deviant attack. You know, we, we thought that they were exterminated. Oh, no, no, they are back. And these beasts, I find, are really interesting looking. How would you describe their appearance, John? They're very colorful, which mm -hmm. I liked. Kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, blue with kind of, you know, highlights of orange and stuff. They're yep. very kind of braided, dreadlock-like. Mm -hmm. Kind mm -hmm. of... I, I saw someone mention it online. They look like the Edge of Tomorrow monsters. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I feel like kind of sort of like, you know, maybe that and like kind of take the color from, you know, the, the like monsters from the movie, Pixar movie Coco. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And kind of mix those together. Then I'd say that's more the line of the deviants from Eternals. And I feel like also there's a little bit of like Age of Ultron villains in there a little bit as well. It's sort of just a nice mesh of a bunch of different yeah. ones, you know. So which borrows the best parts but also sort of makes something a little original too mm -hmm. so interesting combo but yeah and they sort of are very animal like too to start with mm -hmm. and then they can evolve into something a bit mm -hmm. greater as we find out the first attack scene happens fairly quickly and we we learn like i've stated cersei's power is so wonderful the best it's just i felt like it was the weakest power of the bunch what you don't want to turn a bus into a bunch of rose petals i mean not really all the, <laughs> if she would have been there when thanos showed up and she like you know touched a tree and turned it into snowflakes mm -hmm. thanos would have been crapping himself and be like all right guys let's pack up she, <laughs> She could turn me into a snowflake. Oh my Yeah, God. she's going to touch me. Run away. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and the first thought that I had, because there's a bus coming towards them as they're fighting in the street. And the bus is coming at them and she touches it. And I'm like, did she just kill all those people in that bus? And apparently, just one dude on the bus. Apparently, it was just the driver. Or they all turned the pedals and that guy got lucky. Yeah, so I'm like, is she a murderer or what? But, you know, she has her boyfriend there who's played by Kit Harrington, And he, to our knowledge, does not have any kind of powers. He Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, we, we don't see him step up or do anything. He's just a regular old guy. Yeah, he's just a British bloke. That's right. And then her ex-boyfriend comes into the picture. And that's Icarus, who is just a handsome devil. Yeah. What can we say? Both Bellas are good-looking yeah. guys, you know? I mean, I'm not going to turn down either of them. That's right. <laughs> like, look, I'm not going to be picky yeah. when it comes to either of them. This girl is lucky with her dating history that she has, okay? And I mean, it's not like they just dated for a little while. It's like they dated for 5,000 yeah, years. Yeah, no biggie. <laughs> so no 
pressure. <laughs> no pressure to her new boyfriend. And he comes in and he shoots it with his laser eyeballs. And he notices it can sort of self-regenerate a little bit. Whereas typically he could just sort of burn a hole right through it. That's not happening here. What is going on? You know, as I always ask in every movie, what is happening? Yeah, it's like it almost took the power from one of their, you know, buddies. Hmm. Good old Ajax. Oh, yes. Yes. So let's let's skip on right over because that's not too far from where we are right now. So they find out the Deviants are back and they're like, we need to go see Ajax. They go see Ajax somewhere. I didn't realize we were in South Dakota. Yeah. Why? Why live in South Dakota? Well, if you're gonna live forever, you just you like your yeah. I <laughs> you, mean, you you like your solitude. You don't want to be bothered. I think that literally, like, if you're looking for somewhere that has nothing, that's pretty much South, South Dakota. Dakota. <laughs> One of the Dakotas. Hey, you know? we should go there tourism board. <laughs> we got a new slogan for you, <laughs> South Dakota. We've got nothing. Yeah, and honestly, I won't be prejudiced against South Dakota and North Dakota. North Dakota, you have nothing going on either. Which one? Who has Mount Rushmore? Honestly, I don't know which one it's. One of them has it, and the one, the other Dakota who doesn't have it, yeah. they ain't got nothing going on, yeah. if we're being honest. And I yeah. feel like the other Dakota should like do Mount Rushmore above their bottom halves, just to, you know. <laughs> the butts. Yeah. Just, just the butts. Oh. That's good old George Washington's butt right there. Yeah. Look at those cheeks. <laughs> uh, so... Lincoln, his, his, he made a union between his north and his south cheeks. <laughs> He brought them together. That's right. I'm glad he didn't spread them. <laughs> so we go to South Dakota for some reason, like we mentioned, and we get to her house. It's deserted. There's no one home. The back door is blowing in the wind, just sort of snap, snap up against the door frame. And you're like, well, where's Ajax? Well, she did. Yeah. She's laying in the backyard. And... There is like this shed type of structure out back and it looks like something's fallen on top of it or hit it or something. We find out that's not the case later. Hold on. We'll get there. <laughs> and it's like just singed ground. It, it's not looking good. We realize, okay, it's Deviant that probably did it. Which also that was brought up really quickly. So that's another hint. <clears throat> well, Sprite, Icarus, and Cersei. They go and try and find the rest of them because... Get the crew back together. Yes, we need to reassemble... I almost said reassemble the <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> we need to reassemble our team. And also, Cersei does gain the power of talking with their like leader... Uh, the big red guy. guy. Whatever his name yeah. is. Arishim. Yeah. Arishim, yes. Uh, good old Big Red. He's like their creator, pretty much. And she has the ability, when you have this golden glowing sphere put into your chest, it allows you to talk with him. So she has sort of had the gauntlet handed down to her from Ajax as being the new leader. They go and they have to start letting the rest of the crew know Ajax is dead. You know, and we've got the deviants knocking on our doorstep and they want to kill everybody, but especially us. So they start to introduce us to the rest of the team. And we have Kingo, who's my favorite, probably. My, he's he's my favorite, too, just because he's so in line with the, like your stereotypical Marvel, you know, mm -hmm. hero. He's like, you know, in line with uh, Tony Stark, uh Mm -hmm. uh, Star Lord, kind of yeah. smart, funny. You know, he has his quips. You know, he's whenever he's on screen, he's just you know stealing the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, and it's great because the first thing you see of him in present day is him doing a Bollywood dance, mm -hmm. which he was not a professional dancer. He learned the dance just for this, and uh, apparently, he and Selma Hayek would like joke around about it. And he's like, "I don't know if I'm doing my fingers right for the finger guns. I don't know if I'm doing the hand motions right for the dancing." Well, to me, his body, like his body dancing, wasn't mm -hmm. you know that good, but his yeah. facial expressions during it were that was the best on point and beyond. <laughs> Like, he could have just stood still and just, you know, been dancing with his face only, and it would have been entertaining. Yes. I mean, the eyebrow lifts, the, like, the whole... Kind of the sassiness he brought to it. Oh, yeah. Like, he had so much sass. It was the look of a guy that's like, I'm hot. I know yeah. it. Sort of like A.C. Slater from Saved by the mm -hmm. Bell. Just very confident, ooh, look at me kind of thing. And he's immediately like, 
oh, hey, guys, like, welcome. Like, it's so good to see you. He just keeps talking about it. He's putting on eyeliner as he's talking with him. We're like, dude, Ajax is dead. And he's like, but we just started production. Yeah, I got a trilogy to shoot. Yeah, people are relying on me. And, and they're like, no, you're coming <laughs> with us. So clearly celebrity has taken over and in this guy's mind but definitely so funny and also he has his sidekick who we've mentioned Kron which is his valet he's another shining moment he he <sighs> he I like a movie when you have a bro in it and mm-hmm. he is such a bro and beyond such a bro and like just such a little ray of sunshine yeah. as well and it's funny because they've been working together for 50 years <laughs> and and he he, he knows all the secrets, basically. Like, he's the only one he trusts. Yeah, and he says, oh, he thought I was a vampire at first. <laughs> he tried to stake me in the heart. He's like, I've said sorry for that so many yeah. times. Not enough times, though. Yeah, yeah. We're getting close. I'll let you know when it's enough times, you know? So, just a really nice banter. And if anyone who is familiar with Kamel Nanjiani, we've talked about him together in Lovebirds, which is not yet aired, but we have recorded that podcast so we'll talk a bit about his comedic timing there as well it just seems like a wonderful individual yeah i like i cannot find anything negative about this guy so on point once again like you said with his comedic timing we also meet up with gilgamesh and athena in sort of like the australian outback and she has pretty much succumbed to a fractured brain at this point her mind is cracking under the pressure of holding all of these memories for centuries which for me i like that because she's like the wild card of the group like Mm -hmm. she kind of you know adds that extra drama like all right you know what's gonna happen to her like when is she gonna snap again like you don't know when so i kind of like that extra you know like uh oh you know when's it gonna happen you know Mm -hmm. yeah and it does show in a um a flashback that she suddenly just sort of snaps, something comes over her, and all of a sudden she's trying to kill everybody around her. So you have that constant threat of danger, and at one point Ajak is like, look, we we need to wipe your memory. You just, you can't handle it. She's like, oh, you know, but but I want my memories. Yeah. And Droog, who we're about to meet, he says, she's not going to be her anymore. Yeah. How yeah. can you be mad at her about that? So, and and spoiler, I'm going to say spoiler, so if you want to skip this for a minute, um, she is also responsible for deaths of other people. Like, her, her weakness, which is because of the weight of everything she's held on to, is what causes the death of one of her compatriots. So... I became very frustrated with her for some time during this, probably the first half of the movie, because she's supposed to be this mighty warrior, the best in the galaxy, and she is not that when you meet her in the present day. And she's she's a liability at this point. But after we talked for a few minutes, the car ride back, you made a great point of, well, this is just sort of, you know... Letting us almost see a little more of her humanity in a sense. She's she's more human-like than any of the other ones at this point, which they've fallen in love with the people of Earth. This is what they they want, is to be with them. So it's sort of a nice connection of having that. Um, what could be considered a weakness is really just an ailment at this point that she's dealing with. But we, we then go on to meet Droog, who... He's the guy who can control minds, and he has his own little village out in the Amazon. And kind of cult-like, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's a cult vibes is a good way of putting it. Definitely cult vibes for sure. And um, though I like his mentality when it comes to the mind control, it's for a better good. It's not like he says at one point in the movie he wanted to take over the minds of everyone in the world to make them stop fighting, mm-hmm. to create peace. But then also on the flip side, someone else brings up, well, they needed to have those flaws and do the things they did so that they could actually evolve and adapt and grow as people. So I see both sides of it. But yeah, I I understand where he comes from with that. Because I feel like one of the big themes of this movie is moral dilemma, Mm -hmm. you know, which comes up a lot like, you know, is it worth it, you know, to let bad happen if good will happen from Mm -hmm. it? 
Yeah, that's that is literally the underlying main story point of this whole thing. It always ties back to moral dilemma. You're definitely right about that. And we find that fairly quickly here because we have a cool fight scene that happens in the forest. And this is where the that thing I made the spoiler alert about happens where we end up losing Gilgamesh because Thena has one of her spells take over her and she's just really struggling to hold on. So the deviants are attacking and end up getting Gilgamesh. And this is where you mentioned they suck the power out and they end up like taking it, digesting it and becoming more powerful from it. So now not only does this deviant have self-healing, they can also, you know, have the super strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We, we, have a sad moment there. I actually heard people sniffling behind me in the the movie theater. It was a sad moment. I, I wasn't going to cry, but yeah, it was sad because you, you do get to see little moments of their relationships together. You see this, this unit that they've created, this family, and, you know, they just lost one of their family members again. You know, this is the second one within a couple days. One thing I will say is I, because I told this to you earlier, mm -hmm. I like that they kind of, you know, at this point, they've already killed off two of the Eternals. Yes. Because when the movie started, there's like, what, ten of them? Something like that, yeah. That's a fair amount. Yeah, it's quite which, a few. Which, you know, the MCU already has a bunch of characters in it. And I feel like, why bring in, you know, ten brand new superheroes? Like, that's a lot. Right. So I feel like, you know, kind of having characters that die, it kind of shows kind of the stakes are high. not Because mm -hmm. you need some sacrifices to make it heavy. Yeah, to build the emotional connection with the character. Yeah, because you can't have everybody live because, mm -hmm. you know, that just doesn't make it special. Right. Like you said, the stakes have to be there. And if you're not afraid that you may lose your favorite character, well, it's not going to mean as much, you know, if you're just sitting there watching them always win yeah. or almost die, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, well, we need that. Which I will say, I'm surprised that they killed off Salma Hayek because mm -hmm. her and Angelina Jolie are obviously the two biggest names in the movie. Right. Yeah. So I figured, oh, she's a big name. She's going to stay. But mm -hmm. no. Even though this is, you know, the MCU, I feel mm -hmm. like they'll do a good job of keeping them dead. But obviously, if someone dies, they can possibly come back, like Bucky Barnes, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I just hope they keep those two Eternals dead, just because yeah. I feel like it's they served their purpose. They gave up their life to help the, the rest of the Eternals. Right, exactly. Yeah, like their deaths are purposeful. It helps move the stories along. We don't need to resurrect everybody, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, leave some of them dead. Yep. Yes, it may be sad. I just want Marvel to keep characters dead. Like, they go and obviously being Tony Stark. Like, mm -hmm. there's no way they're bringing him back. Yeah. And uh, Windu for Guardians too. Like, his death was emotional death. Mm -hmm. If he keeps them dead, it's going to make deaths more impactful. Because mm -hmm. he can't just have deaths mean nothing in this huge movie franchise. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, we have now two of the Eternals dead. We find out, and this is where the moral dilemma comes in. And this is a big spoiler. This is one that I did not see coming because initially we start thinking maybe Droog may have been our villain for this movie. That maybe he's had a hand in something yeah. sinister. He's, he's just getting like, he wants to be a godlike person himself. He mm -hmm. wants to be in control of everything. So I, I got the same vibes too. And then that ends up being a complete red herring because he does have good motivations. So... He was not our bad guy this whole time. Now, once again, I'm going to say spoiler, because if you do not want one of the biggest plot points ruined for you, if you haven't already seen it online, it's going to be ruined here. Which, why are you this far in and still listening? That's my question. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't seen this and you plan on seeing it and you haven't, mm -hmm. sorry, but screw you. <laughs> go, Let's go. Go watch it. Icarus is the bad guy. Boom, yes. there. Yes, Icarus is our bad guy. He has been hiding in plain sight the whole time. He's the one who actually, six days prior, went and killed Ajax and ends up taking her to, like, Alaska. Where the deviants are and mm -hmm. just basically that one attacks her and takes, sucks her, like, healing powers away. Mm -hmm. And that's after he throws her off a cliff. Yeah, who does he think he is? Right? Uh, yeah, throws her off the cliff. Like she's, she's you know, Black Widow. Lands. Yeah, she superhero lands, does that, and then they suck her powers out. 
You know, she fights him off for a minute, which conveniently there was that gun that was there on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> because the deviants had attacked like an oil rigging. Yeah, you know, well, crew. <laughs> her, her superpower is healing. Yeah. <laughs> so if she uses it on them, she's only going to help. Yeah. So it's like, um... I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you. Oh, crap. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. Now they're really healthy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she... Unfortunately, she can't heal herself because they suck the energy right out of her. Her powers are gone. And then old homeboy goes and, after the deviants go into their little cave, picks her up and flies off, drops her off in the backyard... The part that I mentioned before, where it looks like something has collapsed into that shed-like structure, ends up being that he got upset because of what he did. Hmm, you didn't think about this before, buddy? No? He's all of a sudden just like, oh my god, it's terrible, and the little beam <laughs> shit his eyeballs, and he makes all scorched grass and sets fire to it, and then knocks the shed partially down. And it, do- it does go, though, to his credit, it looks like a deviant attacked her there. Yeah. So that's what I thought initially happened. But he also said it was a deviant very quickly. He pointed that out very fast. Should have been hit number one. (laughs) He ends up betraying his whole group because he knows that the whole purpose that they have been put on Earth, we find out, is that they have had a celestial being placed into the Earth's core. And it needs to have energy of a whole planet's population to help it grow to its full potential. Yeah, it's like, just sorry, I was a little fetus, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a big, strong boy now. Yes. Thanks to us. Yes, it's a big, strong boy because of, of people constantly reproducing and causing wars. And the whole time that they've been on Earth, they've been told, do not interfere with human situations with human conflict and the Eternals never knew why but Ajak just kept telling them this is your order this is your order from Erishim this is what we're gonna do they find out well the reason why is because we had to help a celestial hatch and grow and what happens John when the celestial becomes the big boy uh you know just destroys a planet called earth again again <laughs> like yeah. you know Earth is always I mean, going to be destroyed. No one needs Earth, really, for being honest. Right, which you did bring up a really good point yeah. in the car. Yeah, because, like, they're saying that, you know, the reason why they're trying to stop Earth from being destroyed because these celestial beings, they're going to create more lives, they're going to create more planets. Mm-hmm. If we lose us, what? so what's going to be more planets, more, you know, beings made. But so for, we're an honorary sacrifice. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, these these Eternals, they're like, hey, these guys aren't so bad, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to lose them. But really, are we worth saving? Is this planet worth saving, like, all the bad things, you know, that's happened, that's still happening? Mm-hmm. Are we really worth saving? Like, are our good aspects really outweighing the bad aspects? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I question that every day. Well, Marvel questions it every movie. Uh, And then you also brought up a point, like, what makes us so so special? Are these other planets filled with assholes? Yeah, like, you know... Are we the best out of them? Yeah, like the planet Thanos is from, like, Mm -hmm. I guess they're monsters, because half of them didn't go away, you know, they would have ate each other to to death. Which, on his planet, it was destroyed, right? I think it was Titan he was originally from, yeah, and it ended up being destroyed, but we know there's some of them still out there. Yeah, like, you know, all the planets from Guardians of the Galaxy. Those places, are they just a-holes too? Like, are they bigger a-holes than us? Are they having, like, mass genocide? Do they have, like, Hitler's time 200 on Mm -hmm. their planets? How do we come out smelling like a rose? Yeah, place, like, you know? <laughs> again, very questionable about what happens. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're curious about the population of the galaxy. But besides that, we are now hanging in the balance of a possible fallout situation. We have Icarus, who is wanting to help the Celestial go ahead and grow to its potential, destroy Earth, set it ablaze as it comes out of a volcano. And then we also have the other half of the team that's like, no, we need to save Earth. We love them. We do have Kingo just sort of evacuate the situation. Which, I mean, I, I don't mind that exactly. It's kind of a different perspective. Because mm-hmm. you usually have the type of people, like, two groups, like, either, all right, we're all for it or we're all against it. Yeah. He was kind of neutral, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. I like both sides. They're basically family. Like, I don't want to pick a side. I don't want to fight 
any of them. So I'm just going to take my stuff up, pack up, and go home, and whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. And so when he is gone, we then gain Makari, who's the fastest woman ever. And she's actually a deaf character but also the actress is deaf as well and um she brings that really unique perspective to the table for us and i do like her character she's she's silent but she's got a little sass she's got a little sarcasm and and i like that i like her character quite a bit the silent strong type if you would i did like how everyone in the internals knew sign language like obviously yeah. they've been alive for five thousand years so they basically know every language mm-hmm. but i did like how they were you know signing to her and stuff like that i thought that was pretty cool yeah it's all about inclusion yes i think it's nice for the actual viewers who are deaf mm-hmm. and got to see that as well it's rep- representing them another group that was represented was the gay community in this because we also have fastos who comes into the picture and he is the first openly gay character that marvel has as like a main character and initially it was going to be valkyrie that was the first one from thor to represent the lgbtq plus community but because this one came out first fastos gets to take that that treasure home you know yeah covid kind of messed up the theater release schedule Mm -hmm. which i'm not complaining because we're now getting like four marvel movies in the span of six months yeah it's gonna be wild yeah yeah we we get fastos He takes the title of that and you get to see his family, his husband and his son, and you get to see that sweet family dynamic. And initially he is resistant to joining the crew again, but his husband's like, you need to go. Yeah, this is for the, you know, if we want our kid to still be alive, to have a future, mm -hmm. you better go get your ass and go help. That's right. So it gets to going, honey, get to going. So he does. And they all team up to fight against Icarus and Sprite. Because, oh yeah, by the way, Sprite's been in love with Icarus this whole time. She's been living with Cersei, who was his ex-girlfriend. Mm. Bit of a love triangle. Yeah, like she's... Because <laughs> I looked up her age, because I don't know how old the actress is who played yeah. Sprite. But apparently she's the age 14 right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, her character-wise, she's been a kid all this time. Yes. And everyone else has been an adult. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, frustrating. Like, she wants to do adult stuff, but people mm-hmm. see her and like, oh, you know, she's just a kid. She can't love an adult. She can't go to the bar and drink. You know, she can't do adult stuff just because... She's eternally a kid. Yeah, she, she's been in love with Icarus this whole time. So when he goes to, like, leave, she's like, I'm going with you. And now it's going to be Icarus and Sprite versus Droog, Makari, Fastos, Thena, and Cersei. We have a nice little fight on the beach. I liked the fight scene on the beach. Yeah. I feel like for, obviously, like, all the fight scenes in this movie are very CGI heavy. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, CGI for the most part, except for one scene later on, mm-hmm. uh, looked really good. Obviously, they had a lot of time to perfect it, just because how much of a delay there was in the movie. Yeah. But I like the fight scenes. Obviously, uh, Makira's, like, super speed made for a lot of, you know, cool fight these things. Like, mm-hmm. just kind of keep punching, uh... Icarus, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, like I said at the very beginning, like, super speed, it's kind of like an unfair superpower. Just, Mm -hmm. she's so fast, and you can't get a hit in just because when can you? Yeah, yeah. She definitely lands several good punches on Icarus, for sure, but... It takes more than just her to hold this guy down. In fact, it takes Fastos getting all of his mechanisms and his tools. Like I said, his powers at the beginning, I didn't know what they were. But like once Mm -hmm. he got on the beach, you kind of saw the extent of like how powerful he actually was. Yeah. Like he was just making these weird contraptions come out of nowhere. They were Mm -hmm. doing like all types of fancy Iron Man stuff. Yeah. But they looked kind of like they came from Asgard from, Mm -hmm. you know, the land of Thor. So I really like that. Like. He was way more powerful than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I thought so too. So I I was really thrilled to see his part was a lot smaller than some of the other ones just time-wise in the movie. So I was glad that they made his time as meaningful as possible on the screen. So I think they did a great job with that. And I think the actor who plays him did an awesome job as well. Very likable character. And, you know, he he says this great line of, I've always wanted to clip your wings, Icarus. (laughs) And so he just starts (laughs) nailing them down to the ground with all these different, like you said, contraptions and ropes and like, but they're made of metal and all these other kinds of things. So they're all having to fight him except for Cersei, who 
is running off trying to stop the celestial from coming out of the volcano. Because at this point, Droog, we think, has died. He has been shot with the eyeball laser beams. He's like, you know, 50 feet in the ground from Mm -hmm. those lasers. Yep, and we don't see him come back up. So we're like, oh, Droog's out of the fight now. He's dead. Makari gets upset because there's a love thing going on there, which they sort of poke fun at it Mm -hmm. for a second. Um, It was uh, Kingo. He's like, what's happening here? I don't like it. (laughs) And they sort of just have fun with it. But, um, yeah, so we, we now we're down to just a few, and we have Thena, who's off fighting the Deviant, which has now transformed into a much more intelligent. human-like, intelligent form. Yes, good way of putting it. And, um, yeah, he's, he's talking to her, and he plays this great mind trick. Like he's seen Gelgamesh do, and he had absorbed Gelgamesh's power, so he saw this a bit, and pr- he may have some memories come along with it as well. Yeah. Is that he knows she has to, in order to sort of reconstruct herself and her sanity, in essence, she's relied heavily on him to calm her down. And so he uses this tactic that Gilgamesh will use to lure her into a false sense of security. And then he's going to try and kill her. But she says, wait, that's not going to happen. I got you first. That's right. Because what does she do, John? She whatever, makes the blades appear and just slice and dice, you know. Yeah. That, that'd make good for like a good infomercial at night, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can slice up deviants as easy as Thena and, yeah. and the Eternals. <laughs> that's... You know, we need to talk to someone about this. Yeah. I think we could get sponsorship. But yeah, it definitely, like, I I thought she was a goner. And she was like, no, I'm not done yet. And that's where I was really like, yeah, okay. I'm on board with her. Let's get it. Mm-hmm. So we have Cersei trying to just sort of, like, edge her way toward this volcano that this celestial being going to come out of. Oh, but wait. Betrayal number two, Sprite stabs her legit in the back. Well, the thing I really liked was before that, as a distraction, like she did an illusion of Ajax, mm-hmm. like speaking to her. I forgot what she said exactly. Like, yeah. kind of trying to get her to stop, which at first, like, wait, you know, is that the real Ajax? Right. It's like, how are you here? Is she delusional? Yeah, right I didn't now? know what that was, but obviously it was Sprite. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the ultimate backstab, you know, because yes. she literally stabbed her in the back and the right brain. In the back. Went yeah. to the front. Which the cool effect when, you know, she. <laughs> so, <laughs> before I mention the effect, we have Sprites like standing sort of almost over her, and all of a sudden, Droog just comes up with a rock and smacks her. See, that, that's his ultimate superpower is having a rock and just smack just someone. Smack. Screw, yeah. screw mind control. Just give me a rock and sneak right. up behind someone and smack them. His power is being a sneaky snake. Yeah. So, uh, and she ends up then turning the blade into water. Yeah. And that's how she sort of gets that out and I guess doesn't cause really bad damage. And she finally makes her way as close as possible to the celestial being and decides to, like you said, Put her hands on it. Yeah, touch it. Yep. So we have her touch the ground and turn it to ice and freeze the celestial being. Not only that, but like they mind melded or whatever mm-hmm. they call it to make her more powerful. Because mm-hmm. like we said, he's a big old boy. Yes. Like his palm, you know, is as big as like the island. Like his little mm-hmm. fingertips are gigantic. Yes. Which I'm, I'm hoping in future MCU movies... That they kind of, you know, joke with that, like, mm-hmm. you know, future fight scenes happen, like, where the giant, you know, hand is still frozen, like, his giant forehead popping up. Yeah. I like that. I think that'd be a good callback. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that would... And then, you know, one of those fights, all of a sudden, that, that hand is going to move. Yeah. You know, it's going to snatch somebody up. But, yeah, she... Like you said, the, the mind meld happened, so Bastos called it, like, a unimind, mm-hmm. and then... <laughs> Uh, right before Kingo left, he goes, brainstorm. Brainstorm is such a better name. <laughs> and he's like, I already said Unimind, you know. So, yeah, they, they Unimind it up yeah. and gave her, like, sort of this collective amount of power from all of them to make her strong enough. And then also, at the same time, she was using the Celestial's powers as well. And it sort of was melded in with them too and that's how she was able to stop it and also how she's able to despite 
Sprite being a backstabber gives Sprite a very nice gift. So, and that gift is of mortality and giving Sprite the one thing she's always wanted. So it's like the opposite of Peter Pan. That's right. I do want to grow up. Yeah, which they do mention Peter Pan in this movie. Yeah. So she's a comparison. Of it's all that synergy, Tinkerbell. baby. Back yes. to Disney. That's right. Yeah, they also had a Star Wars like comic <laughs> yeah. in it too, or coloring book, and some other references. Uh huh. Yep. So we have Icarus sort of succumb to his guilt at this point because he's standing over Cersei as she's freezing old big boy and he can't kill her because he still loves her and next best thing (laughs) yep he kills himself instead he decides to fly too close to the sun yeah and burns up to a little crisp possibly i will say because i feel like that death is a lot different than the other two eternals deaths Mm -hmm. so i don't believe he's fully dead yeah and that's why i said possibly yeah like i wouldn't be surprised if he makes a comeback and you know the next Eternals or the next Avengers or something. I feel like he's too powerful just to go off in the sun and, you know, disappear like that. Well, I mean, like, what if as soon as the camera was off him, he was like, oh, no, this was a mistake. Ouch. Hot, 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 hot. hot, hot. And then flies away yeah. from Or he kind of, like, you know, he's like, incubates in there gets even stronger from right? the power of the Which sun. Which I thought about the two. I'm like, what if, like, there's radiation that comes off and absorb it? and then Like uh, Captain powerful. Marvel, you know? Yeah. Exactly. That's where I was going with it. So I don't feel so, like we're done seeing him. No, I don't think so either. I think we we have more to see of him for sure. Um, and then we have uh, the the end sort of come here, which is letting us have a nice little dual vision of things happening in the galaxy. We have our two groups split up here. We have Thena, Makari, and Droog head to outer space. And then we have our others stay behind in the world. And we had a fun, there's two different scenes that happen during the credits or after the credits as well. And they relate to where we're leaving off with everyone. Both space and on earth. Yes. So the mid scene credit that you have happen or the, the mid credit scene that we have happen is that Thena, Makari, and Droog, they're, you know, out there in space. They're getting ready to go find some more Eternals and let them know, like, what their actual existence is, what their purpose for being created was. And they get visited by an interesting fellow. Yeah. When I said, you know, earlier, the CGI in this movie has been pretty darn flawless. Yeah, I was wondering where you were, like, getting ready to go with it. I felt like the CGI, the Pip's character, yes. voiced by Patton Oswalt, mm-hmm. didn't look the very best. No, it did not. No, it did not. Yeah, Pip the Troll, which yeah. is an assistant. Comes in, you know, drunkenly, you know, giving this big announcement for this uh, next person. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, well, kind of two things. First, like... The Eternals is very, like, obscure, you know, Marvel superhero. So it's, like, not like Spider-Man or Iron Man. Like, Mm -hmm. before this movie, I knew absolutely nothing about the Eternals. Yep, me neither. Like, I there's, like, a Reddit spreadsheet listing what all the powers were for the heroes. Which I liked how they kind of, you know, made more specific powers for what they were in the comics. Mm Because originally it seemed like everyone's powers were basically the same. Yeah. So I needed next to nothing. So when this next character got introduced, I'm sitting in the theater thinking, all right, I have no idea who this character is. Yeah. But I'm sure <laughs> sure as hell knew who the actor was. Yeah, which I didn't know he did acting until now. I've only known him as a, a boy bander, yeah. uh, then a solo artist. John, you laughed really hard when you saw this person. It just, you know, when people say something comes out of left field, like, this is far <laughs> deep left field, like, 20 miles away from left field for me. Yes. I'm going to let you do the honors and say who it is. It was Harry Styles. Like, <laughs> like One Direction's Harry Styles. It was weird. It's like, all right, it's Harry Styles, but who the hell is he supposed to be? Right. Well, he tells us he's actually Thanos' brother. Yeah. Eros. And he he's not purple. He's just a human looking dude. Yeah, he's not big. He's he, he's, he's just a handsome yeah. guy. He's handsome know? looking Harry Styles. It's yep. like, alright, you know, that's cool. He's mm-hmm. seems like the only acting I've really seen of Harry Styles is when he hosted SNL. Okay. So he seems like he's got some comedy chops, so that's you know perfect for the MCU. So okay. you know, I feel like 
obviously that's a big get to get mm-hmm. a big name especially with the younger females yeah yeah so i feel like you know it'll be interesting to see where this goes like what his powers are and stuff like that so that definitely had me intrigued mm-hmm. and uh the second credit oh wait no hold oh, on before we go on yeah. i've just got to mention harry styles hair yeah was on point yeah that just the hair was perfect and he did i can see his comedic timing as well because he delivered the lines like we only got a few lines from him but i thought he did an all right job yeah so i just i had to make a comment about his hair i thought it looked fabulous i mean how can you not right it's just it was it looked like an angel had just fluffed it it was just nice and just light and just wonderful okay and credit john and credit. Uh, and for this one, I feel like once I got some more information about it, it kind of got me more excited. Mm-hmm. But you have Kit Harrington, Jon Snow, Dane, wherever you want to call him. You mm-hmm. didn't get too much screen time in this movie. Yeah. But he said something, uh, you know, right before the credits rolled about his family history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lives, leaves you on a cliffhanger. Yeah, he just I, says it's complicated. Yeah, which again, like, I... When I saw the threat spreadsheet, I saw a little bit about his character, so I knew a little bit about it. But he's in an office. He's got this big, long box. Mm. What's in the box? Yes. What's in the box? To quote Brad Pitt from my all-time favorite movie. Yes. So it opens the box. It's this cool, you know, medieval-looking sword, you know, mm-hmm. very kind of evil-looking, like, you know. Yeah. Wrapped but, in bloodied bandages. Yes. And uh, you hear a voice over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. I forgot what he said. <laughs> I don't remember what he said either, but I was just like, someone else is in the room with him. Yeah. Who is he talking to? And then cuts to black. But what got me excited mm-hmm. is I looked it up mm-hmm. and saw who the voice was. Yes. And I got so excited because I didn't know this was happening. Mahershala Ali. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. for me, is a big deal because he was in House of Cards. Yes. He was in the first half of the good part of the season, Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Second half got garbage after he died, because that's how yep. good he was. Mm-hmm. Also, he signed on for a feature Mar- Marvel yes, movie I product. A low series that they're reviving called Blade. Yes. So, oh, my God. So that just, you know, after seeing that, I was like, okay, where's this going? Future Blade. Obviously, obviously, that means there's going to be vampires. Yeah. So now we're going to have aliens. We're going to have wizards. Yeah. We're going to have vampires. What are we not going to have at this point? Are rate? we going to have, like, Whalen Enterprises from the Alien franchise somehow come <laughs> into this as well? Which means Fast and the Furious yeah. would then be tied in as well. well. Again, I did get some Fast and the Furious vibes earlier because they kept talking about family. Yeah. <laughs> You're betraying the family, Dawn. <laughs> If you made a drinking game out of how many times family is said in any of the Fast and the Furious You're going to die of, you know... You're going to have to be in the hospital, you know... Alcohol poisoning. It's going to be bad. Yeah. So, yeah, they kept talking about family in this as well. Not quite as much, but... Yeah, I... Literally, my mouth just dropped, and I just got this really excited look on my face as you were telling me this. So, because really, really like the the future for the MCU, obviously the big names died off or mm-hmm. they ran it off, but I feel like there's still plenty. Yes. Like, who's going to be the big baddie? Like, is it going to be the Celestials in this? Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch the low key series, is it going to be the villain from the low key series? Like, because right. that's the thing. Like, I don't know who the big baddie is going to be. And they got options of who the big baddie can be. Mm-hmm. And also just sort of like, okay, they introduced Thanos' brother. He didn't come off as evil. No, he came off, maybe that's the thing. He mm-hmm. comes off as charming just to stab you in the back like Sprite did. Yeah. So, just giant question mark for the future. So I guess we'll find out, right? Well, we have some production information. That we can go over here. On opening weekend, box office earnings $162 plus million. Not a bad opening, but also not the biggest for Marvel. I feel like for, you know, relatively unknown, you know, superhero movie, mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. And, I mean, their budget was $200 million, So they've almost earned it back in the first week. Poor indie film budget. Like right? $200 million, how could they afford to get oh, by? My gosh. I don't even know how they were able to get all the big names that they I'm did. sure the catering on that set was awful. Oh, yeah. It was probably just ham sandwiches. Yeah. Just ham sandwiches. Oscar Mayer products. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Take that, Oscar Mayer. <laughs> That's what you get for not sponsoring us yet. 
So your bologna tastes like bologna. Yeah. Which is probably what it should taste like. <laughs> but anyways, you should just go ahead and make it official. Just a couple fun facts here. This is the 26th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And is <laughs> That's the, a lot. Yes. <laughs> and is the second longest running film in the MCU after Avengers Endgame. Runs for about two and a half hours. I will say, I just felt like this movie kind of dragged on at a few points. It did. Like, one person put in their, like, you know, review they put, they thought they were being funny. And they were just like, this movie felt like it was eternal. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Well, it just some parts like it did take a little time. A lot of talking, you know, a lot of you know, explaining. Yeah, but overall, like I think the more active moments outweighed those moments. Yeah. So the movie was partially shot on sixteen millimeter film, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of thought you know this day and age, especially with the movie, you know, production like Disney, it'd be mm-hmm. all. Digital, so that's kind of surprising. Yeah, and and unlike other MCU films, this one gets a 4K instead of a 2K release. So oh. that's pretty neat. This is the second comic book feature for Gemma Chan after Captain Marvel. Also, Kamal Nanjiani, he was in the Men in Black International movie. And then Angelina Jolie after Wanted. I totally had forgotten that Wanted was based off of a comic book. Oh. Did not remember that. And this is the third one for Brian Tyree Henry after Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Joker. The Eternal ship is called Domo. This was the name of an Eternal in the Marvel comics itself who administered affairs of the city of Olympia, which we find out Olympia also never existed. Yeah. Then we had to prepare for Kingo's role. We were talking a little bit about this earlier, John. Uh, Kimal Nanjiani went on a strict low-carb diet. He was doing exercise routines for, like, months. I mean, the dude got ripped, put on, like, 20 pounds of muscle. I mean, it was insane. And then we didn't even get to see him shirtless. Yeah, but he saw those sweet guns for a few minutes. That's right, not just the finger guns either. Yeah, the, the thing is, like, you know, the whole Alec Baldwin thing, they said no guns on set, but did you see those bad boys That's he right. had? Those yeah. were locked and loaded right there. All, at all times. No safety on those times. bad boys, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Jolie signed up to play Thena because of her desire to support Chloe Zhao. And Nanjiani said that Zhao usually was using more practical effects for the film and didn't actually use too much green screen. Yeah which is really cool. And then the cast and the crew were evacuated from the Canary Island set due to the discovery of bomb remnants from a military shooting range near set. So, luckily no one was blown up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And right now it is so far nominated for one award, but we know what the most important award is out there in the world, and it's the first one being given to yeah. this movie, technically. Yeah. It's our Oscar Mayer Wiener Award. Still unsponsored. Who are you giving your award to? All right, so I know going back to the very beginning, we were mm-hmm. talking about the superpowers. This was a power I didn't know I wanted until I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the finger guns. Yep, yep. I, I'm, I like to, you know, text finger gun emojis a lot. <laughs> so You've never sent me one. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. You I better just, do it in the future, man. I usually do it like as a, okay, I do finger guns. And it confu- okay. I've confused some people in the past by doing <laughs> finger guns and they have no idea that they were finger guns. Gotcha. So, obviously, my award is going to Kingo's finger guns just because they're so cool. I like it. I like the finger gun lasers. Awesome. You know, who wants laser eyes when you can do finger guns? Right. Bang, bang. Yeah, I mean, we saw the weakness of having laser beams shoot out your eyeballs. Yeah. If the TV's got your head in the ground, you say, can't do much. Say, say you're making goo goo eyes to your gal. Yeah. Then boom. Yeah. Laser eyes, you're not even thinking about it. Oops. Yeah. Oops, you lit her up. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, finger guns, that's my Oscar Mayer wiener because that's superpower. I never thought I wanted to, you know, tonight. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Mine is going to go to K-Run, the ultimate bro. The guy who is there. <laughs> so as, many cameras. As, as the cameraman who has at least three cameras, constantly rolling, making sure that he's getting the scenes of action that are unfolding in real time in front of him. Just all-around sweetheart of a guy as he's saying goodbye. I I miss you all. I really have enjoyed being with you. Just such a sweet fella. So mine's going to go to him. Best supporting actor right there. Well, let's go ahead now and move into our sweet endings. 
John, which was your favorite quote from the movie? So, this was a tough one for me, because in the past, whenever we've done movie reviews, I've watched the movie at least twice. Yes. Or I've, like, seen it before. Mm -hmm. So, seeing it for the first run, and I'll just one time, there's so many quotes... It's kind of hard to pick one just because yeah. I know I'm going to flub it because <laughs> I, I like to, you know, get the closed captioning. I know I'm saying it right. Mm-hmm, me too. So this one's going to, I might misquote it, but I liked it during the fight and uh, Drew's like Amazon Village mm-hmm. when King goes on the ground and he just the sweet like kind of Kamehameha mm-hmm. and blows off the deviant's head. Yeah. And he shouts, did you get that K-Run? Mm-hmm. And of course, K-Run says he did get it. Yes. So to me, that was a very good laugh because he got that, you know, deviant blood all over his face. Mm-hmm. As long as he got, you know, that sweet, sweet money shot. That's right. Yeah, and it, it was tough because I'm sitting here. I actually had brought a pen and paper with me into the theater and didn't use it. But I was just like, I feel like such a nerd if I do this. But um, I wanted to write down like my favorite line as it was happening. And I was like, oh, I won't forget it. You totally forgot it. So I went through and looked up, and this one may not be, like, my ultimate favorite, but this is one that I laughed when I went back through and reread it again. It's one that Kingo says. It's where Sprite is looking at Icarus and Cersei talking and is sort of watching him. And then Kingo comes up, and he's like, I like watching him, too. I don't think it's creepy at all. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, what the hell? So that's where the conversation about Peter Pan comes in and how she's Tinkerbell. But, yeah, overall, would you recommend people go see it in theaters? Yeah, I know, like, the Rotten Tomato scores and stuff like that haven't Mm -hmm. been as high. Yeah. But I thought it was better than, you know, what it was. Mm -hmm. Like, there's been other Marvel movies that had higher scores that I went to go see, and I thought they was, you know, not as good as the scores. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised. I liked it more than I thought because I didn't think it was going to be that great. Mm-hmm. But except for the beginning, yeah. you know, I enjoyed it overall. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend, especially, you know, if you're like me and, and you have to see every MCU movie, that way, you know, you know, I like to stay in the loop for like the future Avengers stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, nerd over about like the end credit scenes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd recommend it as well. I think just with us being deprived of movies in movie theaters for so long, also, with a lot of people questioning the actual future of movie theaters. Which, if I can do an anti-Oscar Mayer winner award. Yeah. was like nearly 30 minutes of previews and commercials. Like, yeah. 7.10 was the starting time. Like, mm-hmm. moving in start till like 7.40. Yeah. That is my anti-Oscar Mayer winner award. We literally had 10 trailers after having probably 10 minutes worth of commercials. Because this is like my second... Th- Movie I've seen in the theater since mm-hmm. COVID, but yeah. I do not miss the 30 minutes of previews and commercials like before the slated start time. Yeah, me Like either. maybe 5 to 10 minutes, that's fine, but like nearly 30 minutes, mm-hmm. anti-Oscar Mayer Wiener Award. Yeah, for sure. So, But besides for that, you know, go ahead and support your theater. Yeah. If you can get reserved seating, a lot of places have that. Then you can stroll in a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay, and you don't have to deal quite as much with it. Well, definitely recommend that. Also, check out Agave and Rye if you get a chance and you like some tacos. Good place to go to get some grub. Otherwise, thank you listeners for joining us and thank you, John, for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Also, thank you to Kenny and Ned for the music they provided for our podcast and Chris Woods for giving us our logo art. Also, next week's episode, Casey and I will be talking about 40-year-old virgin. So definitely excited to share that one with you. Also, if you would like to rate, review, subscribe, great. If not, that's totally fine. Just keep telling people about the podcast, please, and thank you. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, this is how you can do so. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FRM Podcast. Email us at frmfan at gmail.com. And for that information and so much more, you can visit our website, frmpodcast.com.